when we were uh, on the summer day, so we sort of left heavy bags uh, in the hut um just made our way up to the very, very top. We will first get off the track a little bit to look if there's any water to fill our bottles because on the way there's not really a stream or anything like that, but there's a melting glacier. And we could hear a little bit of like something trickling down. So we followed that sound and we saw a frozen waterfall, literally just the, the wall full of icicles that were, you know, shimmering in a, in a light and dribbling down as well because, you know, the sun was getting up and started melting. And not only it was beautiful, not only it gave us nice fresh water, but also we just realized that it's this never, ever going to happen again. This is literally the only time this waterfall exists in the storm. It's going to melt by the afternoon. And we are the only people seeing it. Um, so that was probably the most amazing. Like, I never seen anything like that before. And just uniqueness and that, you know, just being and that waterfall, it, it was just quite incredible. This is Aotearoa Adventures with your host, Abigail Hanna, the podcast for everything you need to know to travel New Zealand. I talk to photographers, van lifers, moms, students, and everyday Kiwis to hear their inspiring stories from past adventures and to share helpful tips and tricks for your travels. Whether you're visiting Aotearoa for the first time and live on the road, or you work a nine to five and have lived in New Zealand your whole life, you're guaranteed to learn something to plan your next getaway and get a new excitement to explore more of this beautiful country I call home. So grab your hiking boots, hop in the car and turn up the volume. If you've ever cooked a meal from scratch in the bush, you know how challenging it is. Backcountry Cuisine have solved this problem with freeze-dried meals that are lightweight, delicious, nutritious and so easy to prepare. With breakfast, lunch, dinner and dessert options, as well as vegetarian, vegan-friendly and gluten-free meals, they have something for every adventurer. Backcountry Cuisine are my go-to for yummy meals on the trail and I also keep a stash in the van just in case. For quick and easy meals for all your outdoor adventures, use the code ABIGAIL for free shipping off your next order. That's A-B-I-G-A-I-L for free shipping off your next Backcountry Cuisine delivery. Head to the link in the description to find out more. Kia ora, welcome to the podcast, Victoria. I'm really looking forward to having a chat to you about all things mountaineering and being a mother, but introduce yourself for our listeners. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, my name is Victoria. I came to New Zealand in 2019 with my then boyfriend, but now husband, Kieran. Um, I'm Polish, but we came from Ireland. Uh, yeah, we were just looking for a little bit of work-life balance and um we're stoked to, to explore beautiful New Zealand landscapes, and I think we we hit the jackpot with that. So mm. happy to be here. I love that so much. Had you been to New Zealand before you sort of moved your lives over? I barely even left Europe. I visited quite a bit in Europe countries, but no, I haven't been anywhere further than that. So we just decided to stop our life that we had back in Ireland by essentially one way tickets. Um, with very little money as well, because we lost spend a lot of money on kind of moving places and visas and all those kind of things. And we came here <laughs> with no return. <laughs> That's amazing. It must have been a pretty rough year as well in 2019 going into, we all know what happened in 2020 with COVID. How did, how did you find all of that? We actually came literally just before COVID, November. So it was weird. Well, it definitely was good to be sort of um, isolated from all the drama that was happening in the rest of the world and, you know, just felt safe for a lot of reasons. But also, you know, with that separation, a lot of things have been postponed. We only managed to visit home um, just last December for the first time. Uh, we we changed our wedding plans. We actually ended up eloping in the mountains um, because we couldn't go and visit family in Europe. So definitely, yeah, that's probably the, the kind of the separation from the close ones was probably the, the toughest part. But Hopefully we over it now. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that, that separation. Um, we had, like, I've, I had family overseas at the start of the pandemic and Isaac's family was over the whole time as well. So it's really hard, but um, it, it's a good feeling when you get to sort of hug them again and see them again after those, those three years. So where do you live now? What do you do for work? And how does that all sort of work around your adventures? Um, at the moment, we live in Wellington for just over a year. Uh, when we came to New Zealand, we lived in Invercargill, down south, um, and we loved it. Um, we are both doctors. Um, at the, when we just arrived, we we're both hospital doctors, but currently I'm working as a GP, and my husband still works in the hospital. So how we fit the, the traveling? Uh, I guess it was much easier before the baby, because the baby came in picture about a year ago. We just happened to just go whenever we had a chance. And living down south, you know, in uh, close to Pureland, close to uh, Queenstown, we just did, you know, whatever we could, whenever we could. And it was a perfect location, like, you know, two hours drive to beautiful spots. Mm. And I think we counted that in the first year of being in New Zealand, we did like 30 plus adventures. So wow. that's on average is like every other weekend. And that, that obviously includes us working in the hospital weekends, nights, you know, all the kind of messy issues. I don't, I don't know how. We just kind of keep going really. We just love it. That's so much commitment. <laughs> it is. But, you know, I also want to kind of say from the, from the get go that before coming to New Zealand, we were very green when it comes to anything, you know, kind of hiking and mountaineering. We did a little bit because we sort of, you know, liked it. But, you know, Whatever you do in Ireland is here, and New Zealand is way above that. So it's it's completely different level. We did nothing. <laughs> we did know nothing. So um, I guess it just sort of with that exposure and just keep doing things that you love, it kind of gets a little bit better and better and can do more and more. Yeah, unfortunately, like like I said, we have a little break now because we have a small baby. But um, you know, with time things get, get back to sort of better swings. Mm. Yeah, no, that's so cool. Let's take things back a little bit further. As a child, did you travel much? Did you spend much time outdoors? What was that like for you as you were growing up? My first thought was no, but actually when you send that question, um, I thought about it and I think yes. <laughs> I have a vague memory as a child when my, my, of my dad carrying like a carrier backpack. Oh, and wow. Was, you know, yeah. because it was red and very sort of stiff metal bars because that's what it was, you know, in the 90s. Yeah. And I had one of those when I was a baby. <laughs> yeah, um, so we must have gone for some little hikes. And I know my dad liked uh, to go into mountains quite a bit when he was a student, um, not so much when he started fa having family. So we definitely sort of had some sort of exposure. I would definitely nothing sort of advanced and hardcore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think my parents like to, to spend time in nature and we would have done that with them. And then when I was a teenager... I joined a church group and a lot of those um, people from there would go rock climbing and go into the mountains and so on. And I would join them as well. I, was, I think I was probably one of the youngest in the group, but I think I would do it just purely for the social reasons, just to spend time with them. I don't think I had a sort of huge calling for all those activities, but I guess it's always been sort of in the background. And then I guess life happens. Yeah. You know, studies and um, working during studies, so you are either poor or or don't have time, or both, most likely both. Uh, so probably we paused that a little bit. Well, uh, I, I paused that a little bit when I was a student. Although I did join Wilderness Medicine Society <laughs> in Edinburgh. I, I, re I really didn't like any of those stuff that we were doing there. But um, again, probably more for social reasons. But sort of, yeah, there was always this kind of trend, I guess, towards towards those activities. But I wouldn't call myself a person even remotely doing those things before we came to New Zealand. Yeah. 
That's so cool. That's that's so cool to sort of know that you're never too old to start something new and you can always just get out there and do the thing. I think sometimes I have that sort of self-doubt creep in that's like, oh, I never did this as a teenager. I never did this growing up, so I can't do it now. But that's absolutely not an excuse. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I think I'm kind of learning that as well. I definitely had that fear as well. And, um, you know, we were well in our 30s and we're literally just learning now. So I think I think whenever you want, just do it. Absolutely. I love that. Well, tell me a little bit more about that journey um, once you'd come to New Zealand and you started getting outdoors. How did you sort of get those skills and develop those skills to be out in the mountains, to be alpining? Um, and I definitely want to just say up front as well that by no means I'm an expert. <laughs> and uh, mountaineering in my books kind of considers of, you know, just a little bit more harder hikes when you need to either scramble or use some equipment like crampons, eye axes, ropes. And there's so many more experienced people out there that probably will be laughing at what I'm calling mountaineering. But, you know, with the journey that we kind of go through, I call it mountaineering. But let's start from the beginning. So we came to New Zealand in November 2019, like I mentioned. First of November, easy to remember. And we had about 10 days or so before we started work, um, before, you know, we kind of agreed with the hospital, um, mainly to organize ourselves and so on. But what did we do? We went to Queenstown. And we I did... love that. Straight <laughs> we... off the plane. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, that's what we came here for. Um, we climbed in Lomond, which I'm sure you've heard of. Maybe you climbed yourself as well. I haven't done it, but yeah, I know the one. It's, it's beautiful. It's very accessible. It's by no means mountaineering. And I honestly thought I'm going to die during this <laughs> walk, I guess. It was just so steep. And so I was just so unconditioned. And it was just so hard for me. But we did it. And then um, a few days later was actually my birthday. And Kieran kind of surprised me with, a birthday present when he booked a guided tour at Singlecon. Singlecon is the highest mountain in the Remarkable Range, just um, just outside of Queenstown. We never done it before. We never sort of thought about doing it. But, you know, so we said like, okay, we are in New Zealand, so let's give it a go. We completely, it completely went over our heads. We had no idea what that is entitled. You know, I kind of did not expect the full equipment that we had. We had, it was November, so it was still quite a bit of snow up there. Obviously not enough for the ski fields to open, but yeah, quite a bit of snow. So we had full, you know, full gear with the ice crampon and the crampons, ice axes, helmets. We were uh, roped up with a guide, Mike, really, really cool guide. Of course, he's from, from Queensland Mountain, Mountain Guide. Really highly recommend. We climbed up the sort of chimney um, and then we upsailed down. So, you know, kind of full experience, really. And we also got a GoPro just before that as well, literally for that purpose. And I actually have a recorded footage from that when Kieran says, Mike was away putting some anchors up and Kieran said, gosh, I had no idea that that's what we're going for. <laughs> like, we completely were not prepared. And it was good. It was fun. Obviously, we didn't, we didn't do anything. We were just sort of following, um, Mike and his, his expertise. And I thought, you know, after that, I thought, okay, I had my mountaineering experience, my guiding experience. I'm probably done for the rest of my life and kind of didn't think twice about it. <laughs> And then we just started doing the hikes that we were kind of more able for. And the more you do, the more you sort of realize that you can do more, you know, like the, the, how, how much is out there. And we had a few situations when we did, we had to turn around because we just didn't feel it safe, either because our skills or the weather or, or the conditions and so on. And I guess a little bit gradually with experience, but also with kind of recognizing our limitations, we just started slowly doing more and more. So yeah, we we did quite a, like I, like I mentioned quite a few hikes around Shoreland High uh, and 
Queenstown and so on. One of our favorite ones, actually very well, not very well known, called Eldrick Peak. Mm. It's not very well marked. It's a little bit wild, but um, maybe one day I'll tell you about it. <laughs> but yeah, when we had a chance then next winter, we actually decided that it would be good to have some sort of winter skills um, because, you know, to, to get to see more places in snow. And we did a snowcraft course with the guides as well. Um, it was another guide from the same company. Um, I think it was a three-day course. And he took us, um, like first part was mainly looking, mainly, you know, learning all the skills for using crampons, ice axes, self-arresting one fall, all the avalanche kind of safety and so on. And then he, we kind of were supposed to go to single crown again on our own, but with his sort of support. We didn't climb to the summit then because we were too slow. But yeah, we kind of started getting into, into sort of, I actually love being in the snow. I can't even describe it. It's just such a different, environment and different aura to all of that beautiful light especially in the nice sunny day but um i just love being in snow and another good thing about going out in snow is that there is often very little people so even those places that are quite busy usually you know they actually get uh, to be you know either quite intimate and just you know you get them to yourself and that was actually our next sort of mountaineering not mountaineering but snow trip we did uh, we climbed and we went to Miller Hut in, in winter. One of my favorite places ever. I and I haven't done it in summer, so I can't I don't really know how it compares to summer, but in winter it was just magical. So certainly recommend for anyone that wants would like to do that. And I've seen people doing that in shorts and trainers, so I'm sure you don't actually need to have skills, but if you know No way. Not in winter, I hope. No, it was it was an winter, yeah. So um, I probably wouldn't do that myself, but you know, obviously everyone has different sort of risk, you know, um, kind of scale where where they are. Um, we are very risk averse, I would have to say. Um, we're very very careful with what we're doing. Yeah. So sort of yeah, we're kind of stepping our toes a little bit into into those you know slightly more, slightly longer, slightly more you know advanced things. We happen to climb single time third time following summer with a different guide and that was purely sort of rope work you know just like a rock climbing because in, in the summer it's pure rock and that was quite fun as well and I think that sort of main preparation for that we've done in terms of kind of careful things but we we were hoping to do a like a one big trip completely on our own before we have a baby we thought we would like to have a baby sort of soonish but we would like to have one sort of biggest trip before that happens so we have we use all those skills in place and we decided to climb down mount Enslow, sort of aspiring national park region-ish between queenstown and shoreland i'm sure did you hear did you have you heard of um Ernstler burn yes I'm not sure where it is though. I can't. I can't picture it on a map. It is sort of Queenstown area. I can't. I can't really yeah. describe it. But Enfilburn is actually a beautiful camping trip. A little bit hard walk, but a walk nonetheless. And um, that you kind of walk through this dense, rooty forest onto the kind of a valley where the Mount Enfil is overlooking, and and there's a little river going through it. And uh, it's a beautiful camping spot. So you, when you're ever, ever in, down, down there um, that's, and you're looking for a camping trip, that's definitely what to do. Adding it to my mm-hmm. never-ending list. Oh, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. That's what I always do after listening to your podcast as well. <laughs> so we actually decided to climb Mount Enzo itself. It is, how, how tall it is? I'm looking at my notes there. I think, yeah, 2,800 meters. And I think it was the highest mountain that we've done. 
it was a big adventure. Not because of the mountaineering skills, and I'm sure, again, some people out there that are mountaineers, they probably wouldn't maybe call it fully mountaineering, because there's only one section when you actually need to use rope, but, and probably if you're very skilled, you may not even have to. But it was a five-day trip in complete wilderness with sort of, we literally didn't meet anyone for three days. We met one couple on the way down. We had to bring all equipment with us, so food for, for five days, clothes, sleeping bags, emergency bivy, rope, harnesses, crampons, ice axes, helmets, everything with us. And I think our bags were so heavy that we couldn't actually lift them ourselves. Oh, I can imagine. Were you staying in tents as well? Did you have to bring your own? No, no, we, we stayed in the hut okay. um, on the way, well, the kind of hut, uh, but we did bring emergency bills just in case we kind of yeah. got lost and we couldn't get, uh, get to the place. So the route is, you follow Reese Valley to the place called Kia Basin, um, and that's probably quite an okay walk for sort of a day trip and so on. Um, and there is this very, very old hut falling apart, has literally called Enfield Hut, Enfield Hut, where we stayed the first night. Um, quite a small one. I think there's like six bunks or something like that. And then from there, you go up sort of above the, the forest line over the kind of Cree slope to the glacier, um, barely glacier. And up there, there is this beautiful little bivy called Excellent Bivy. Uh, I think it sleeps six people or something like that. It's, it's owned by New Zealand Icon Club and it's the most remote place ever. Uh, we were completely by ourselves there as well. And there's a toilet outside as well. Uh, so, you know, like one of those very picturesque toilets in of New Zealand. Yeah. And the, the, this house by itself is like 2,200 meters. So it's so quite out up there. And then from there, and it's probably, well, yeah, you have to cross the glacier, which we did for the first time ever as well. Uh, so probably getting to that little review would be a little bit tricky as well. But yeah, and then from there, we did like a summit day where we actually went up to the top and uh, with kind of just lighter gear and so on. And just on that way up, there is one like a very narrow section um, where we, I think we just climb up there, but on the way down from there, we just leave it too, too gnarly to, to climb down. So we up and down. And that's essentially the mountaineering part of all of that. Uh, so like, you, like we are taking really, really baby steps, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a really cool adventure. And I didn't realize how accessible alpining can be starting off with guides. As someone that's unexperienced, I didn't realize that's something that you could do. So that's really cool to know. And it's really cool that you just sort of like built on that and did small trip after another until Mount Ernstlaw. That's amazing. Absolutely. And I guess another thing to build up on, um, especially, you know, if you're a little bit more on a budget, because obviously, uh, you know, mountain guys do cost a little bit of money, but I suppose that's an investment, um, is uh, joining New Zealand Alpine Club. And we actually are members as well, and two other trips after that we've done with them. And in fact, Kieran now is guiding local Wellington Alpine Club. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah, because, you know, I haven't been much with the Wellington section. Um, we've been um, involved a little bit more with the Intercargill one, Southland one. And they organized a few other snow courses, which um, we did sort of later on. And just as a kind of refresher and one a little bit more advanced one. So they would organize, obviously, people that, you know, would teach you. Also, they would uh, provide uh, the equipment and, and they do organize trips as well. So I, th- I think that's probably the best place to start, honestly. Like, I, I wouldn't know they even exist, but if you're looking for sort of uh, like-minded people with a bit of experience, and often they can rent your gear as well, and it wouldn't cost, you know, an arm and a leg, uh, that's probably the place to start. Mm. 
Yeah, that's really great advice. With Mount Ernst Law, what was one of those moments that you were just like, wow, like a breathtaking moment? <laughs> I actually can believe you, yeah. I can think of two, but I tell you the one that came to my mind first. When we were uh, on the summit day, so we sort of left heavy bags uh, in the hut and just made our way up to the very, very top. We would first get off the track a little bit to look if there's any water to fill our bottles, because on the way there's not really a stream or anything like that, but there's a melting glacier. And we could hear a little bit of like something trickling down, so we followed that sound and we saw a frozen waterfall, literally just a the wall full of icicles wow. that were, you know, shimmering in a, in a light and dribbling down as well because, you know, the sun was getting up and started melting. And not only it was beautiful, not only it gave us nice fresh water, but also we just realized that it's just never, ever going to happen again. This is literally the only time this waterfall exists in the storm. It's going to melt by the afternoon. And we are the only people seeing it. Um, so that was probably the most amazing. Like, yeah. I've never seen anything like that before. And just uniqueness and that, you know, just being and that waterfall, it, it was just quite incredible. Yeah, that's something about nature and the outdoors that continually blows my mind. Because whether you're on the mountains or at the beach, like, these landforms are constantly changing and constantly shifting. Mm. And weather conditions play a part in it as well. And even if you're just watching a sunset at the beach, like, that same sunset is never going to be at that same beach again. So, like, every single moment in the outdoors is just so special and so unique. That sounds beautiful. I don't think I've seen a frozen waterfall, but that's definitely going on the bucket list as well now. <laughs> yeah. I don't, like, you know, it wasn't even waterfall. It was just the water dribbling down from the rocks that got frozen in yeah. the shape of yeah. waterfall. I don't, I, I don't know if there was actually proper sort of stream or anything else going there, but yeah. You know, and the fact that we knew that, you know, in a few hours it was completely gone. And we, the only people actually even experiencing it was, was just beyond special. And yeah, that, that's sort of the main one. But um, another thing is just as we're reaching the Esplanzivi, the, the second night um, hut, uh, the sun was setting. And I think I also sent you one of those pictures. I sent you so many pictures because I couldn't pick one. But it was just the colors of it. And obviously at that stage, we're exhausted. We are so tired. And, you know, this is just like the best view in the world when you see the hut after the, you know, the, the whole day of, of uh, hiking. And it always seems to be further than, than, than you're actually hoping. And the sun was just setting the most beautiful pink skies. And the hut itself, and the toilet next to it is red. So it was just sort of all blending in this red, redness. I don't even know how to describe it no that's that's really cool to hear were there any moments that you were feeling quite challenged or that you thought this is this is too hard this is beyond my ability yes actually yes so i had a little panic attack on the just on a summit uh, where I, I, I do actually have a little bit of height, to be honest. I am, um, and if there is a bit of exposure, I do feel a little bit panicky and have to kind of drown myself. And definitely it's good to have someone next to you that it will be calming and so on, which can greatly does. I probably should also give him all the credit because he's the main guy from the technical part, finding routes, routes, you know, maintaining gear and actually using it properly. <laughs> I just kind of follow his instructions, but um, yeah, it, it definitely, I, you know, it's great to have him and a huge sort of timing presence around. 
I always sort of have a little habit, little kind of custom, I guess, that we've been doing for, for quite a while now, that when we get into the he usually goes way ahead of me, and he's my way fitter. But when we get into the summit, he's kind of slows down a little bit and holds, and we go together holding hands. So we, we, we did it. And I was so needed at that point because I was just really, really, you know, kind of panicky there. But um, once we get there, it, it kind of settled. But I guess the most scary part and definitely something that I thought, if, if I'm going to die, that's going to be there, was crossing the glacier. I actually very rarely have any of those moments because we do very careful preparation and we, we very rarely go over the, the skills that we sort of prepared for. And you know, we never crossed the glacier before. And it, it's not even a huge glacier, but it is quite, it, you know, it's kind of very hard ice that the crampons barely would um, stick to. And there's lots of crevasses around. And yeah, we ended up actually uh, connecting ourselves with the rope because, you know, just in case one person will, will fall. Yeah, you can't get the other person out without the rope. We was actually fine. We were completely fine. But I was actually really, really worried that something could go wrong there. Um, we just took it very slowly. And I think Kieran took his little kind of safety in mountains book. <laughs> he brought it with him. And it looks so much to do an interesting glacier, the one-on-one learning. And we, we, we managed to do it fine. But it's, it's not even like it's physically straining, but it's mainly emotionally straining when you're kind of going through something like that. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's a new experience, right? If it's something that you haven't done before, you don't have that confidence that you, you would after you've done it a couple of times. So that, that totally makes sense. Mm, and that comes with everything in life, doesn't it? Absolutely. Not just, yeah. You've already shared a couple of tips for um, beginners that want to sort of get into things by joining the Alpine Club or sort of meeting with other like-minded people. But do you have any other tips for people that want to start out or want to get into this more? I guess we'll do it. <laughs> you know, I think like we, we talked earlier, um, that fear that, oh, I'm too old to start or, you know, oh, oh, oh people there, out there do it much, much more and much better. That's true. But so what? You know, it, it's only, it's yourself that you compete with, really. You know, um, I by no means am a fit athlete. But in my own book, the difference that sort of we did from the first hike in, on the Lomont when I nearly died to even, you know, Trip a couple of weeks ago when we did Tungariro Alpen crossing with a baby. <laughs> so those, you know, we wouldn't be able to do it a few, a few months ago, but because everything is a training, everything is a step that gets you a little bit further. But just get out there. That, that's my main trip. And I guess getting someone that you love doing that with. Yeah, absolutely. I have to admit, I don't think I went for any trip with anyone. Like, we've done sort of group uh, trips, but I think everything that I did was with Karen because I just really, really like spending time with him. And I guess having that, you know, person around you that both motivates you and also, um, you know, it's a great to spend time with. It doesn't have to be one person, having, you know, a group of people. And like I did as a younger teenager, I, I do it for social reasons, right? So yeah, just, you know, I think that's a big, big aspect of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so finally, those people that you like, hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely relate to the fitness thing. And I think that sometimes that's also just mind over body. Like when we're doing the Milford track this weekend, it's been like a solid year since I've done like a multi-day hike. And because I signed up for it so last minute, like my body was not ready for what I hit it. But we did it. We just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And it's incredible what our bodies can do when you put your mind to something. And yeah, it almost surprises me how much fitness can change and how easier things get the more you keep 
on doing it. I guess I sort of have this mentality that you have to be gymming every day to like sort of see physical change, but you really don't. The little things will add up. Absolutely. I don't really do much more apart from just walking and yeah, and that somehow got me somewhere further, even on my you know, narrow tail. But yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's another thing. I never was very uh, sort of, you know, sport bunny in, in school and anything like that, because I just never liked anything. And this is actually something I really enjoy. And I always say that I do it for the views, um, but probably <laughs> the main. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, that, that's, that's probably one of the best reasons as, as it could be, right? Um, for either social reasons or the views or, you know, or in the challenge with yourself. And even in... Or just getting out, outdoors. It's, it's amazing. Exactly. It's just so good for your mental health. Yeah. It? Tell me a little bit about how your adventures have sort of changed now that you've got a baby um, and now you've got a little one in your life. Yeah, obviously we can't really do as much as we want uh, because um, we wouldn't take early our daughter from the places that we're just not, you know, feeling comfortable and not safe. So obviously all the kind of bigger trips out of the game, although we did quite a bit of uh, hikes around and we did even one um, camping trip um, a few weeks ago. You just sort of need to adjust with the baby. And another thing is that living in Wellington, there's not that many mountains around anyway. I've done quite a bit in pregnancy, considering I really don't like being pregnant, but I somehow still managed to do, probably because sort of that momentum was going. And I guess that also helped me to kind of continue a little bit further. We did like Ridburn track um, when I was pregnant. We did a few other snowcraft courses. And yeah, and I guess that's and I, I think that's kind of get, get, get me sort of still kind of fit-ish, again, not considering myself that person, but yeah, uh, at least for my level. So now when we want to actually go mountaineering, all stars have to align. <laughs> and that means, so that means that we need to find some sort of suitable babysitter and the weather has to be good and we have to have work um, arrangements we have to work as well that no one works over the weekend that takes a lot of planning it's actually quite expensive as well um, and and with the sort of all the planning it almost is more tiring than actual trip um we managed to do first trip when Aurelia was about nine months last october we climbed in mount Ropesu. oh yeah i was just gonna ask if you've if you've done mount Ropesu. <laughs> we did. Uh, we climbed uh, one of the summits, the highest summit, summit in fact, uh, Tahurangi. There's, I think, 13 summits or something like that. And just even planning, we actually brought a nanny with us. We arranged from the Airbnb that it would be okay for them to check in earlier, uh, where me and my husband went into the mountain. We, you know, we stayed in the night. We paid for the nanny's accommodation, food. Uh, and you know so it does require a lot of effort unfortunately yeah absolutely and it makes it harder not having your family here you can't sort of have a grandparent or an aunt or uncle sort of look after Aurelia yeah and that was also the longest time at the time that I left Aurelia with someone but me and I was thinking should I what I'm supposed to do with breastfeeding should I pump should I you know I actually ended up not doing anything but that also kind of comes into consideration as well but the trip itself was actually really, really good. It was out of season for snowing, so uh, quiet, no one else there. And the climb was really st- steep and icy. We did bring ropes with us, but we actually didn't end up using, using it. And then on the way down, we actually slid down or our bumps, uh, on our bumps all the way to the grassy part. <laughs> you know, we climbed up like in five... On purpose? Yes, 
years uh, because you know we just had a little bit over over that. It took us like five hours to get to the top, and it took us like forty five minutes to actually slide on the um, snowy part. Then we have to walk down on the on the grassy part. That's amazing. So that, that's another amazing <laughs> thing that you know you kind of don't really experience unless you're on the snow. Yeah. I guess just a little thing that's popped in my mind now, a kind of safety thing. Whenever you're sliding down, take off your crampons because. It can be very, very dangerous if you get would get caught into snow mm. and the whole body would kind of tumble down. So whenever you decide to do that, just take off your crampons first and then off you go. <laughs> yeah. Have you had any sort of, I suppose, major injuries or medical mishaps while you've been out? I don't think we did. Like I said, we are very risk averse and we, would, we, we wouldn't, you know, jump up higher than we can reach. We have first aid kit that's probably more advanced than most people's because I'm a doctor. <laughs> but luckily, we, I never have to, like, even I have, like, a suture material and, you know, if someone has a big gash, I can suture that uh, or, like, medical glue to, to close the wounds. I even have adrenaline if someone has an anaphylaxis attack. I, I don't need it for myself, but just in case. Oh, you'll both be in good hands. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, luckily, and touch wood, we didn't have to, we didn't have to use any of that. Probably the, the biggest thing would be things like really, really bad blisters. And we have a little bit of problems with joints, so we often our knees kind of suffer, you know, with, with down, big downhills, but unfortunately, you can't really prevent that apart from using poles. So no, lucky, luckily not. Hmm. And hopefully that will stay that way. Even more scary, you know, when you have a little daughter, you know, like every time I, you know, the the worst case scenario pops into my mind, you know, what if I had all the preparation, something goes wrong. So that's that's a little bit unfortunately scary now when I'm a mom. Yeah, it's it's definitely changes when you've got someone else's safety to think about as, as well as your own, doesn't it? Have you had any sort of new adventures or anything that you've learned or experienced as a family that you want to share? As a family, so we're all, all three of us. The, like I just mentioned, the Pungariro Alpen crossing. We only did it, I think, in March. Mm. I think so, yeah. It, it was actually amazing. And you carried, you took Aurelia with you, didn't you? Yes, she's not that light. I think, I, I don't know how much she weighs, but definitely <laughs> more than 10 kilos. How old is she now? She's 15 months. Yeah. Uh, and we have this big carrier bag, uh, backpack for her. It's actually quite comfortable, but obviously... It gets heavy, you know, with, by itself, it's probably three or four kgs if it's empty, and then with the baby, and then with her stuff. Again, going with her, we definitely overpack, because you kind of want to be prepared for any um, any situation. So we have, like, a million layers for her, just in case she gets cold. Especially, you know, that's an alpine environment, and she's not moving, so obviously she's going to be colder than we are. We got loads of food, just in case we get stuck somewhere, and, you know... And she actually did amazing. She she did really, really well considering, you know, she's actually learned to walk recently as well. And, and she loves, you know, she wants to walk everywhere. She spends, you know, a good six hours in a carrier being pretty, pretty good. But we were just exhausted. You know, Karen told me afterwards as well that, it, it, like, we didn't feel unsafe at any stage. You know, the whole preparation, the whole stress of it, that he probably wouldn't bring her again to that the same place. I think it's still worth it. Mm. The the Alpine crossing is quite long as well. It's a it's a very long day. Beautiful though. Yeah, very much worth worth uh, the hype. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad I did it. You know, because without if we didn't do it this way, then we probably wouldn't do it for a long time again. So yeah, if I had to choose, I would do it again. Even though it was pretty, pretty tiring, maybe we wouldn't bring that many things with us. We learn, we learn as we go, don't we? <laughs> Exactly, yeah. And, you know, that's also a completely new area that, that, that we're learning as we go. Yeah. Do you have a bucket list destination or a trip that you want to do, either alpining or something together as a family? 
gosh, we have loads. And honestly, like if you could probably everything out there, right? <laughs> I could I could add on the list right now. But we, we certainly have few um things that I really hope that are gonna happen in a sort of nearer future, I hope, possibly sort of things that could happen this year. We hope to do maybe another summit of Ruapehu, just a little bit more kind of winter mountaineering. And we hope to go down to South Island in winter as well. So possibly try to do the single con by completely by ourselves. Obviously without Aurelia. So that means that we have to find someone to look after her for the day and the weather should be good. And, you know, so it all starts aligned, but probably on the top of the bucket list, sort of a little bit of dream slash, you know, it's something that we, we're probably not quite ready yet, but it's something that it's been there for, for a good while. It's Mount Aspiring. And I really, really hope that one day it's going to happen, but it definitely requires a little bit more confidence and fitness. Definitely requires a lot of luck with the weather window because, you know, it can take a good few days to, to get up there. Um, and we, at the moment, we can't leave child for five days. Um, unless I, my parents come over or something, that'd be great. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen this year, but it's definitely up there on the list. Hmm. No, that's awesome to hear. Those sound like some really cool adventures and it'll be a bit of a full circle moment if you do um, single code by yourselves after that being your first sort of alpine adventure. Yeah. I think, honestly, I actually think that we're ready. And, you know, it it was scary on the first two times, really scary. But now I actually feel that I think we'll be okay. Like, you know, I think also this is something we've done so many times now that I actually can picture that, that route. And I'm not very good at navigating. So if I can picture the route, then, you know. Yeah, I love that so much. Well, we're at the end of our time. So um, where can people find you on socials? Where can people connect with you, see more of your adventures as a mom or your mountaineering trips from the past? Um, give us all the links. Sure. I actually started a, a blog uh, very briefly to show actually specifically mom adventures, but I did one post on it for like over a year and I'm not really consistent. I'm not sure that just yet. But I'm mainly, I'm quite active on Instagram and my handle is um, at Dr. Dr. Uh, Victoria Maria, spelled with W I K. So my my name is actually spelled W I K T O R I A, and then Maria. So at Dr. Victoria Maria. I'm sure you link it somewhere. <laughs> yep, I'll make sure everything's linked in the description so people can find it easily. This has been so cool to have a chat to you. I'm feeling really inspired, to be honest. Isaac has been wanting to get into sort of do like snowcraft, snow school, and sort of leveling up on those alpine skills but it's not something I've ever really been interested in because I I don't like cold places (laughs) but hearing your stories and I'm like maybe this is something I could you know might grow on me (laughs) on a nice sunny day with a nice kind of good visibility there's nothing more beautiful than a snowy mountain yeah and for the views that there's a lot I would do for a good view <laughs> I'm with you, with you on that and definitely wear sunscreen because we had some horrible oh I suppose in terms of medical emergency we had some horrible sunburns from reflection from the mm. sun so that's probably something to bear in mind even you know in a cold places mm. well thank you so much have a really great evening thank you so much for having me it was so nice talking to you It's always incredible to hear people's journeys, but I especially enjoyed hearing about mountaineering from Victoria, who only started a few years ago. I loved all her stories, but my biggest takeaway from this episode was that it's really never too late to start something new. Whether you want to start climbing mountains too, or you have a different dream to surf, hike, ride motorbikes, start four-wheel driving, rock climb, scuba dive, mountain bike, kayak, I don't know what you're putting in the too hard box, but really it's just one baby step away from happening. So just start and just do it. 
I also want to thank our new sponsors, Backcountry Cuisine, for coming on board and supporting the Aotearoa Adventures podcast. The team were kind enough to fuel my body on the Milford track, providing all my meals. And if you're on my email list, you will know some of the behind the scenes about that Milford trip. And if you're not on my list, get on there ASAP. There is a link in the description if you'd like free deliveries off your next Backcountry Cuisine order. Thank you so much for tuning in and coming along for the ride. If you love the show and enjoyed listening, please take the time to leave a review on Apple or Spotify. I would also love to connect with you, so send me a DM on Instagram or leave me a voice message, and I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, keep adventuring.